Welcome to another episode of the Zenpreneur Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want more money and less stress. The Zenpreneur Podcast is hosted by serial entrepreneur and high-performance coach Mario Lanzarotti. Listen as Mario and his inspiring guests share the insights, strategies, and habits that allow you to grow your business with peace of mind so you can enjoy more wealth and freedom. Learn how to build the mindset and habits you need to find the balance between a successful business and a thriving personal life. And now, here is your host, Mario Lanzarotti. Welcome, my friends, to the Zenpreneur podcast. This is your host, Mario Lanzarotti. And today we are going to explore with my friend, Joe Van Niekerk. We're going to take an exploration into the world of financial freedom, of creating your very dream life. And this man has an intriguing story that I'm really excited to share with you today. He's an ex-professional rugby player. He's played for 13 years. He's played in countries like South Africa and France. And he went through a very deep and profound spiritual transformation that um, spanned from the jungles of the Amazon to uh, many countries all over the world. And today he founded Rama Organica, which is in the beautiful Costa Rica, a healing sanctuary. And on top of that, Joe went from being a rugby player to being a transformational coach who guides others on a healing journey to awaken and transform their lives. I'm excited to welcome you, my brother. Joe, thank you for being here today. Oh, Mario, thank you so much, my brother. I'm such a privilege to be here today. I'm honored. And uh, yeah, just looking forward to this conversation with you. Beautiful. Joe. You have quite the extraordinary story. You uh, have been a professional rugby player. And, you know, I've never played rugby, but I'm familiar with rugby. And it's one of those very brutal sports where you are in full body contact, where, you know, ribs get broken, eyes swell up, and you know, all kinds of other things happen. And now you're on the path of healing and transformation. So, can you share with us a little bit about your story, how this all started, and then why you made that decision to move away from rugby into doing what you're doing today? Sure, sure, Mario. Yeah, I am, um, as you said before, I played rugby for 13 years professionally, and uh, I played in South Africa uh, for many years, and then I moved over to France. And I think that I initially, at about the age of 27, I had um, a moment where everything in my life was falling apart. Um, I think that the years before that, I had been given everything on a silver platter. And so what happened up until that point is I got a very bad injury, a slip disc in my back, and I was out of the 2007 World Cup. So for the viewers out there, that was the Rugby World Cup in 2007. So I missed that because of the slip disc in my back. But mm -hmm. at that moment, I began to drink really, really heavily. And um, yeah, not really being able to deal with the emotion of not being at the 2007 World Cup. At that moment, my girlfriend was also leaving me um, because of these behaviors that I had kind of slipped into. Um, and then also my contractual yeah. agreements with uh, South African rugby and with my province had come to an end. And I had recently looked at signing a contract overseas for an English-based club, and that had also fallen down. So overall, all of these things were happening to me. My world was falling apart for the very first time at 27 years old. And that was the moment where I looked at myself and said, wait, I can't be pointing fingers anymore. I can't be looking outside of myself mm -hmm. and saying it's everyone else's fault. I've got to look within and how can I transcend the situation that I'm in? Because at that moment, it felt like the world was ending. And so what I did is I decided I'm going to go back to basics. I stopped drinking. I stopped my going out. You know, I started to reflect upon what I was putting in my body, how I was training, how much sleep I was getting. And, uh, and then I got a lifeline. 
And one of my old coaches, he said, come back to Johannesburg. We'll get you fit, fighting fit, and we'll get you back onto the field the best you can possibly be. And yeah, from there, the rest was history. Um, and then six years on later in Toulon, I um, came to the last six months of my career in Toulon. And I'd been kind of an integral part of the team, captain of the team, and um, and yeah, I worked with this team. And we actually ended up winning silverware. We won the European champions of Europe. So Amazing. I'd worked with this team. And then what happened is a new ca coach came in. And when this coach came in, he was kind of more in favor of some other guys and not in favor of me. So the last six months of my career, I was literally like, I went from a replacement to up in the stands. And so for those last six months, it was really, really hard for me. And I, I say it was hard for me. It was hard for my ego, right? Because I'd always mm. been used to being in these teams. And now all of a sudden, boom, I'm out. And so that actually, that was the second time that I'd had something like this happen to me in this life. And I realized once again, I can't be pointing outside fingers at anyone else. This is my journey and I have to look within to find those answers. So that shift in mindset really helped me because what it actually did is it transformed a situation that potentially could be really difficult for someone to handle. It transformed it in a, in a positive way. And subsequently what actually happened was um so i was so i was out, outside of the team what i decided after a few days of like kind of grieving the situation and a lot of pain i decided no i'm what i'm going to do is i'm going to arrive at training i'm going to be as positive as i can be i'm going to show up with the bags i'm going to hold those bags as best as i could and for my teammates and i'm going to put the same amount of energy or even more energy than i did when i was captain and I'm going to make it a point to go to the coach every single morning and greet him and say, bonjour, bonjour, coach, como va? You know, how are you, coach? I hope you're well. And give him a big smile. And so I continued to do that for the last six months. And it was crazy because that whole situation, which could have been de deemed as, you know, I could have been the victim of that situation, right? I could have been like other players before me. Oh, you know, the coach, he's, it's his fault. It's, he's, a, he's a dick, you know, or it was him that didn't select me. It was his problem. So just flipping the, that narrative and kind of creating a situation of like, I can be the victor of this situation and getting to that point towards the end where Toulon ended up winning everything. They won the domestic competition in France and they won the European Cup again. And I'll never forget it. I was in the, we went out that night. It was a big celebratory evening with the team. And I was on the dance floor and I'm dancing. <laughs> and this coach who was Bernard Laporte, so he was the minister of France back then. Um, he, was, he was a really high up politician. And then also in coaching, he had like won a lot of competitions within the French League. And now he's actually part of the French Federation presidents. He came up to me on the dance floor and he said, Job, <laughs> and he said, I'll give, you, I'll, gi I'll give you any favor you want, any favor you want, you can have it. And so it just showed to me how one can really flip the narrative in, in, in your story, right? And, and not become the victim of situations, but rather the victor in these situations. And it was just basically a shift in mindset and also in the perception, right? So... Yeah, so that was just one story that I wanted to share with you around, around your yeah, flipping the narrative. That's amazing. And, you know, kudos to you because here you are at this peak of your performance career as a rugby player. And now you're sort of being, you know, mo many people would view it as like this opportunity is being taken away from you, right? You're being demoted and it's not really your fault, but, you know, it's happening. And I would think the majority of people would look at that and be like, you know, why is this happening to me? This is unfair and sort of take on that victim mentality. And you didn't do it. You said, no, I want to be the winner of my circumstances and my current circumstances 
look the way that they look. I may not agree with them or may not even like them, but I choose to be the victor in any circumstance. And I think that's just a testimony of how important mindset is. And I'm curious, as that happened, what did this kind of mindset then open up for you in your life going forward? Oh, it, was, it was absolutely huge because I think also the willingness to research, you know, so I also, when that actually happened to me at first, it was like a big shock, right? Because it was like, yeah. as you say, it was like you're getting, you're at the peak of your career and then it gets taken away from you. So in that moment, um, it, it's like, an, it's almost like a bit of a death, you know? And, um, and so I, I, what I went through was just to research, to, to go and look like, how how do buddhists approach life when there's adversity how do you know in spirituality how do uh, these 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 um high spiritual beings how do they approach these situations when ad some so-called adversity hits them right and then also put this whole spin into perspective it was like oh wait your situation is not that bad there are people around the world who don't have food to eat you know and there's there's it, it just, you know, from the perspective of the Chinese and the Buddhists and, and, and what the Chinese did to the Buddhists and all of those stories of, of you know, people dying, slaying, um, massacres and things like this, it really put my story into perspective. And so that was also one of the things that I think that when, when that actually happened that I, I went more into and I researched. And so, yeah, that just... It's just the matter of exactly as you say, it's becoming that victor in your life, right? It's, it's, it's looking at any form of adversity as a kind of a, a stepping stone to grow, a stepping stone to mm -hmm. kind of step into your power, actually, because we, we receive things like that on a daily basis. And it could happen in our lives that we have this kind of adversity that, you know, even, even things that can be considered even you know, uh, deeper than that, like those things that, you know, when we lose loved ones or there's things in our lives, we lose it, we lose a job or we become, you know, whatever, whatever struggles that we got come up against, um, those things are there for our growth. And it's just a matter of, as you said, the mindset shift, right? It's like a mindset shift of going, wait a minute, yeah, how can, how can this situation be for me? As opposed to something that's just, you know, happening to me and now my life is a mess and now I'm in trouble and now I can't stand up. It's more like, no, how can I get the, how can I shift this, change this so that it can be in favor of the whole or favor of myself in that process? Yeah. You point out an integral part of what I call the unstoppable mindset. And if you look at one of the worst things for any high performer, it is that feeling of being stuck, of not knowing, you know, or, or how to move forward or not even wanting to move forward for whatever reason. And I find, you know, part of this unstoppable mindset is exactly what you just described so beautifully, where, you know, call it the divine perspective, where something in your life happens like you you know you can't perform at the the way that you have been performing so now sort of like something is being taken away from you you could say oh you know this is bad this is stupid i don't like this whatever and then you get angry and you harbor resentment and you stay stuck where you are or you could do exactly what you did and it's like how might this actually be supporting me to grow towards becoming the, the man or woman that I need to be or that I want to be. And so you can never be stopped through that perspective. And some people have this idea, it's like, yeah, oh, I get it, but that's kind of cheating, you know, like, no, it is that way. And, you know, that's unfair. And look, all my environment is telling me it's unfair. So my external world it is trying to confirm to me that I should feel like a victim here. And I love that perspective that you brought forward. And I'm curious. So, you know, you went through the, the rugby career. I want to understand how did you go from rugby to transformative healing? Because that's a very, very unique story. Mario, that's what I wanted to just to finish up on that last point, because what actually yeah. happened just for, the, for your viewers, right, is that 
this Bernard Laporte, so he asked me on the dance floor, he said, whatever favor you need, you got it. So what happened subsequently, uh, six months later, I'm applying for a French passport and all of my papers in South Africa have been put on hold and it's taking one year for me to receive all the papers from South Africa mm -hmm. to France. And in this process, I've gone over the um, um, limited amount of time that I have to, to um, receive my passport and to give my papers. So yeah. what happens is I call Bernard Laporte and I say, Bernard, can you help me with this situation in terms of my passport? Boom, one call, bang, <laughs> next step, my passport. <laughs> so, so, so I'm just like, you know, that, that puts the whole story in, into perspective, right? It's like, well, you know, stay positive, stay, keep the right mindset, keep put things yeah. into perspective. Don't become the, the, um, the victim of your situation, you know? Yeah. And, and also what you're doing there is you really leverage your network. And I love the humility because, you know, a man in your position at the time that you were playing in sort of captain, now you're being demoted from captain, you still have the humility to show up every day to the coach and say, good morning, wish you a good day, how are you? Whereas I could imagine that a lot of people in these positions get entitled, like, how dare you demote me, you know? I am, this is who I am, I'm this man, you know, and then they, in, and they allow their ego, their pride to stop them. And you're like, no, 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 I'm still going to continue being Joe because of who I am and who I choose to be. And the results happen, you know, when you need somebody to help you out, boom, you got this guy from who's high up in French politics who just helped you with something that could have potentially, you know, put you back uh, a couple of years in terms of progress because you might have had to leave France. Exactly, exactly. No, that that's the thing. That's what that's why I think I love that story so much, because it just shows that with with that kind of mindset and rocking up in that way. And I feel like exactly as you said, because I potentially had more experience. And I think that what I always noticed within playing within teams is that when the guys weren't selected, there were a, like kind of like a select few that stayed positive, that kept training harder, that went back and, you know, went back to the drawing board and they looked where they could make improvements and they kind of kept kept going at it and uh, with the yeah. kind of this inner resilience and stuff. And, and I saw that and then I saw the other side of that and that was, oh, you know, the coach doesn't know what he's doing. I'm so much better than those other players. And they create pockets of negativity within that space. So... So yes, there's two di very different ways of of kind of responding to that situation, and I felt that that was a perfect example of just how if we show up in the way that we always showed up before with positivity, um, optimism, and giving giving your all to your brothers, to your team, as well as you know meeting your coach in that way and saying to him, "Hi, coach, I'm here." You know, no matter what happens, I'm here, and as much as that potentially can hurt inside you got to fake it till you make it baby you know what I mean just go because even the even the way of like saying you know I'm gonna rock up and I'm gonna you know even if I'm gonna rock up and this is hard for me to do I'm gonna do it because I know that at the end of this things are gonna turn and things are gonna change and and luckily in the end that's God willing that's exactly what what transpired yeah yeah I love that. And to me, this is a testimony of that who you are being is way more important than what you are doing because from the being it originates your doing. And, you know, you stay true to who you are and to what you believe is right and the way to treat other people is right. And so I, I love that. And yeah, I would love to know now how, you know, from there, the Fr French days, what happened next? How did we get into the healing space? Oh, so brother, yeah. So, so the thing is, um, I I know that you've heard of the dark night of the soul, right? Um, mm -hmm. that literally, when you're doing something over and over and over, and you expect a different result, and it, it, that result isn't coming, right? It's insanity because 
you're not aligned with your, you know, what your uh, true calling is. And that started to happen to, to me towards the end of my career. I went through kind of these, uh, you know, ups and downs towards the end. And I really felt that what I was in, what I was still in, was just not in alignment with where I was in my heart and where I was, what I was feeling was my kind of soul's purpose, you know. And, and so towards the end, I literally got to that last night, that last party. And the very next day I woke up with inflammation in my body, but just everywhere. And I just decided in that moment, I'm, I'm done with the chemical, uh, chemical, you know, chemical things of putting chemicals and substances into my body. I made that decision in that moment and I just said that that is it. I want to live an organic life. I want to go as much green as I can. And I want to just do a 360 degree kind of uh, shift, you know, Mm -hmm. from where I was. And I feel like, I think because I had prolonged that for so long within my career that at that point, I'd reached that point of unbearable suffering. And the reflection of the inflammation in my body was partly related to my emotional state at that point in time. And obviously we know that, that like, um, that emotionally, I was also just feeling like I was not aligned with my, where I, where I needed to be. And so that very, I think about two days after that, I just went straight on to a 21 day juice fast and I went deep into it. And I remember I had an epiphanous moment on about the 11th day when I realized, oh my word, I've never felt this healthy in my life. And with minus all the stimulants, uh, all the drugs, all the inflammatory uh, medication, um, all the you know foods that weren't complementary to great health, all of those things, right? Without any of them, and just this cleansed, detoxed being, I felt so, so good. And it was just, it was like a light bulb went off in my mind and it just reminded me like, this is true health, right? Like you need to go more towards the organic lifestyle and, you know, drop these anti-inflammatory drugs and all of the substances and all of those things and really go in a natural way. And so that was essentially the first part of me having this kind of slivers of an awakening or um, illumination around my health and how I'd been feeling for so many years. You know, you, it's almost as if you get into this numbing, you, 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 you numbing yourself, you're distracting yourself from the feeling, you know, and your emotions. And so I reached that point. And as I say, just like a light bulb went off and thereafter, Brother, I just continue to go forward within the spiritual path. And, you know, I booked myself into a Vipassana retreat, 10-day silent retreat. And, um, and that was also another, another epiphanious moment that happened for me there. I didn't realize how out of control my mind was. And I literally, when I sat down in that meditation hall, my judging mind was just throwing out things, you know, look at the teacher. Oh, what is this meditation? Oh, who are these people? Oh, why are they, why is she lying down? Blah, 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 blah. And this monkey mind was like a Gatling gun, right? Going, 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 going. And I was just sitting there and on about the fourth day of meditation, I, I, (laughs) I was sitting in the hall. I'll never forget it. Uh, The sun was setting so it was like in the afternoon, about 5.30. This is after about 40 hours of meditation. And I'm sitting there and I'm scanning my body. I'm doing the Vipassana wow. meditation and I'm scanning, scanning, scanning. And all of a sudden my mind is just, he's given up. <laughs> he's not judging anymore. You know? <laughs> and in that moment, in that moment, I just, I was, I had that like also realization that, wow, okay, he can, he can actually quiet down, you know? And, and so the rest of that retreat was an absolute pleasure because my mind was in the place that it needed to be as the servant and not as the master. And so that was also, um, 
a realization for me, just, you know, the silence and how powerful the silence is. Yeah. You, you touch on something that I see a lot of people struggle with. And I myself have had, I've had lots of experience with that struggle. And that is, there is this sense of fear of silence, right? The sense of fear of being with our self. Like, what does that even mean to be with yourself? And you describe it in two ways. One is first you go through this juice cleanse. A lot of people I find shy away from ideas like that is because they think they cannot handle it. Like what comes up when you're feeling hungry? Will you feel hungry? Are you going to have headaches? Like I did a, a, a five-day water fast once and in the beginning I was terrified. I was like, oh man, I'm going to be just sitting in my, uh, lying in my bed with like cramps and headaches and I'm going to be giving up and then I'm going to be embarrassed about the fact that I gave up. But as I went through that, I didn't encounter any of that. I encountered a little bit of it. It was like a little bit of a headache, a little bit of like a hunger feeling on the, on the second day. But after that, it was ba-boom. My performance level increased. I was so focused. I felt so alive, so energetic. I had so much energy and I felt so such a deep sense of peace. And then, you know, as you described the, the Vipassana, which I haven't done yet, it's definitely on my, uh, on my list of things that I want to approach. It's like there's this moment that you encounter and, you know, we can talk about plant medicine as well because I know that you're very prominent in that space is, is that place that you approach there is this one point that you approach where all of this stuff just comes up, where your mind gets louder, your body starts to feel uncomfortable in ways that you cannot foresee. And as you break through that, it's like, it's the silence. It's this feeling of everything is exactly the way it's supposed to. And that gives you that sense of relief, that sense of joy that comes naturally without you having, without you having to do something. And a lot of a lot of us we get joy from our actions. This what you're describing, I hear, is more of a joy that comes out of your essence, which in that way makes it unexhaustible. Like you can only do so much until you get tired. But that seems to be a source that you tap into that is just it's just more 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 right is that abundance and yeah i'm curious you know when you, you you took that you did the juice fast you did the vipassana and at what point did the psychedelic realm invite you and say hello come and join me well, I just wanted to just uh, say that, mm -hmm. that you put that so eloquently and it was just so beautiful. I felt like all the goosebumps on my body because that's the truth, right? That's the truth of our being is that this fragrance that exudes from our being is joy. And that's the thing that I think that we missed the boat with, right? Because we always got so many distractions. We're always doing, doing, doing. And as you say, this is the everlasting that's the everlasting well of youth. That's the everlasting well of, of peace and of joy. And it's just a matter of recognition, right? So, so I just wanted to say it was so beautiful mm. as you expressed that because I just felt it within my whole being. And you can't, you can't, you know, you can't deny it. It's just, it's yeah, yeah it's with us. And that's such a beautiful way um, to express it. So thank you. I... Yes, I, I then I had been practicing for about two years, just I'd been in solitude and I'd literally uh, pulled back from everything. You know, I went, I, I cut myself from the social networks. I um, wasn't really engaging with a lot of people at that time. I lost a lot of weight. I think I lost 15, 20 kgs in that time. Um, and then I'd basically wow. been following a yogic practice so I'd been, you know, waking up at 4.30, going for um, a cold bath, then doing my mantras, then doing my meditation, then going down to the beach, doing sun gazing, and then chanting Bhagavan Das chants. And I kind of got myself into this process as, as we do as good athletes, you know, <laughs> we, go, <laughs> we, go, 
we get into a routine and a process and you know subsequently i learned a lot of lessons about that you know that spirituality is not about being the best meditator right but i took mm. some of that ego that i had for my rugby and i put it straight into my spiritual path and coming full yeah. circle around now i realized no man it's not about it's not about how many hours you can meditate or being good at meditation it's not about that right well being yeah. the best vegan so mm. so yeah brother so after those after about those two years i had started to do some exploration and i came across a youtube video um this guy his name was jan kurman and he was a guy a dutch guy that went to the amazon jungle and he basically traveled down the jungle um on the river and he met some shaman that were from the amazonians and he sat uh with ayahuasca uh i think he he did two sessions with them in the jungle and he basically filmed this documentary and i remember seeing this on youtube and just being like so intrigued and so invigorated by it and just being like what is this this is so mysterious i wonder what this is but there was like you know they say with the medicine if you get called three times you get three messages you know you got to go so mm. i was literally like i had been having these messages along the way and i just felt this pull this call like you've got to go and sit with this medicine yeah. and so i went to i actually found a beautiful peruvian shaman in costa rica who was serving medicine there and we connected with her and she said yes please come and uh, you can sit in a in a seven day retreat with us and basically sitting with the medicine three times in a week wow. so actually i arrived there not knowing anything and she looked over at me first glance and she said you got to keep the medicine in you and so i thought to myself what does she mean by keep the medicine in you? and later on i discovered that what she was actually saying is that because she could see within my energetic field she could see that there was you know even though i'd been doing the work like i i still had a lot of stagnation and i had energies that weren't mine that were my body and that there was there were things within me that needed to be resolved and and so she basically said keep the medicine in you don't go and purge mm. so for the first two sittings with the medicine I literally, you know, as you would know, because you've also explored this realm a lot, is that I was flung into this mysterious world where I was not even sure that I could describe the things that I was seeing afterwards, right? And I, yeah, just so many things happened within those first two nights. And uh, it was a mix of nausea and of bliss. So it would be nausea, then it would be bliss. Then I would see visions, then it would be nausea, then it would be bliss, then I'd see visions. And that happened for the basically the first two nights. And then on the third night, so I didn't purge. I didn't, I've been obviously going to the toilet and that, but I didn't purge. And so on the third night, I'm sitting there, I drink the medicine and wow, it was hard to put down, right? Because it was like thick Peruvian, like medicine. I was really nah. tough for me to drink. And, and it was like a, <laughs> you know, a little, little great right ah. <laughs> get that taste out, bro. Um. And so, yeah, so that third so that third night I drank the medicine and I had this beautiful brother next to me, an American guy. His name was Jay. And he goes get it out, brother, get it out. So I said, okay, I'm going to go for the most, <laughs> literally like the most massive purge of my life. I get up and I can hardly walk at this moment. And I'm like, what, like stumbling towards the door and I get to the door and I look outside and there's this fire, right? And I'm just like, okay, I gotta, I gotta get out you. And I like, and I go and I pull myself out. And brother, honestly, I'm not kidding you. That was <laughs> just like, 14, 15 years of carnage. It was just like, like, like literally projectile, like, and, and I'm literally like, I'm, I'm, so I'm purging, I'm purging, I'm purging, and it doesn't stop, eh? And I get down on my knees, and I'm literally like purging, purging, and then the sense of like forgiveness comes over me and just says, 
Just forgive yourself. Just forgive yourself. Forgive others. Forgive others for what they have done. Forgive yourself for what you have done. And mm. the end of the purging came about. And in that moment, I just started bawling my eyes out, started crying. And just mm. this like sense of like overwhelming gratitude came over me and just yeah. said, like, how can I, how could I have got to this point? Because all of those things, all of the trials, all of the tribulations, everything that I've been to up until that point, how did I manage to get to this point to be blessed enough to be able to let go of everything I've been carrying and to forgive myself for the very first time in this lifetime and to forgive others. And I'll never forget it. The little, the little guy that was a facilitator, he came over onto my shoulder and I was weeping on the floor and just crying and just <laughs> thanking God for being there in that moment. And he just came over and he said, you are the light, my brother, you are the light. And <laughs> I literally after that, I looked up, brother, I looked up and I saw the universe in a totally different way. It was like, I was seeing shot stars shooting. I was like really feeling connected to the cosmos and just to nature, everything around me. And in that moment, I began to pray and just say, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I apologize. I'm sorry. I forgive myself. I send out all these prayers to everyone I've ever hurt or to relationships that I did wrong or things that I hadn't been, you know, it hadn't held integrity. And just send out those things, send it out to all those beings and to myself. And and it was just, yeah, it was just a, such a beautiful moment uh, of of re realization and of blessings and of gratitude just to have got to that point in my life. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. So for, for, for those of you tuning in right now, you may have not experienced an ayahuasca ceremony. And what Joe refers to as purging is known as the process of uh, vomiting, right? And what you find in these ceremonies, while to some of you this may seem like, what? Oh my God, you're vomiting? This is terrible. I don't want to do that, right? Because you might be thinking alcohol, vomiting is sort of like detox, getting the toxins out. In the ayahuasca, you also get toxins out of you, like the actual uh, physical components of it that come through uh, the way your lifestyle. But what you also notice, and I'm sure you've noticed that as well, Joe, is like you go in with little to no food in your stomach and you sit and you start purging and all of a sudden there's a lot of things and I want to get into too graphic, but there's a lot that comes out of you and you can only ask yourself, where's this coming from if this isn't food? And it's an incredibly cleansing process. So what you were sharing, Joe, is how, you know, in that moment when you are really brought down to your knees and when you become so vulnerable that you let your ego fall completely, you are then met with an opportunity to really deeply connect to this essence that people call the universe, God, spirit, source, life, in a way that it cleanses you and it frees you from the things that you've been holding on to. And I, I love the way that you're describing that with that prayer and that, that, that I think it's the hopo, I'm going to say it wrong, hopo onopono. Yes. Right? The, the one you said, that one, right? So I, I'm curious, you know, as you then, you bring together uh, a, juicing, yoga, lifestyle, silent retreats, plant medicine. And one of the things that I always like to do is how do you integrate that into your day-to-day -day life? Because we, it's one thing to live this very aligned lifestyle when you're out in the jungle, when you're in the mountains, you're surrounded by people that are doing the same things. But the moment you come back, you come back into this uh, reality, um, you know, of, of a city, of a larger country, where all these moving parts and all these people that are not on that same wavelength yet. So I'm curious, what are some of the ways that you integrate that into your day-to-day -day life and what kind of tools do you use for that? Yeah, so this, this is very interesting, uh, Mario, because also I forgot to mention around the trauma. 
So I'd been carrying this trauma. I lost my father when I was 14 years old. Mm. And it was basically from day to wow. day. Like he was there the one day, the next day he was gone. So it was like my, it was my very first experience of impermanence in this life and how impermanent, the impermanent nature of the universe, right? As, as one of the uh, fundamental laws of the universe, impermanence. And so I, so I hadn't completely dealt with that trauma because, you know, that night he kissed me on the lips and he said, I love you so much. And the next morning when I woke up, the house was completely empty and there was no one there. And I wondered to myself, where is everyone? Where's my dad? Where's my stepmother? Where are they? And my stepmother, subsequently, she arrived uh, about an hour later and she gave me the news that my father had died that night in an accident. And when that happened, it was like this wrenching pain in my heart. And I just, ah, and as a 14 year old boy, I didn't know how to respond. I didn't know how to, how to deal with that pain. And I remember just running around the house and saying, it's not true. It's not true. It's not true. It's not true. And having this, this overbearing mm. sense that what, how can this be, you know, and not understanding. Mm. And so what that showed me in the ayahuasca was that for 20 years of my life, I'd been carrying this trauma and I'd been acting out. My behaviors had been related to the trauma and that I had been acting out. And I wow. subsequently also saw that my behaviors from that point on, um, that I had this rebellious kind of uh, energy towards any authority that would want to tell me what to do. I would, I would rebel against it. And it would be to the point where I would actually sometimes hurt myself because I would get into this mindset of being like, oh, no one can hurt me the way that I was hurt, you know, um, through losing my dad. And so just these kind of patterns that I hadn't identified and I think also related to uh, drinking, uh, the addiction that came with drinking, you know, numbing your emotions and not really being able to handle or deal with your emotions. And so that was also um, kind of an epiphanous moment for me at when I did the um, the retreat with ayahuasca because it actually showed me that, you know, I'd been carrying this trauma and I hadn't also been able to dislodge it from my body and through the purging and through the release, I was able to release a lot of that pain that I'd been mm -hmm. carrying around with me for a very long time. And yeah. so, so yeah, so to get to your question, um, for me, really, it's around uh, how we, uh, how, how self-aware are we, right? How self-aware are we about um, that things from our past could be impeding our actually the future that we want to create or the, 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 the endless possibilities that exist. If I've got something that I'm holding on to or that I've been hurt by someone else or I've been rejected or I've been, you know, obviously from a very, from a, from a childhood perspective, like all forms of trauma happen to us when we're very young. So those yeah. things could be playing out in our adult life and we, we may not even be aware of it. So I would say that the, the big thing uh, for people these days is to just to become more self-aware. So how do we become more self-aware? Well, if we don't have any space and we haven't created the space within inside ourselves to actually, you know, you mentioned it before, but how, how are we, are we capable of sitting by ourselves alone you know it's a very it's a it's a it's a profound question to ask because that's a lot of times when we actually see um and we become aware of the patterns of our mind or the tendencies that we have or the behaviors how we've been acting out and we don't necessarily mm -hmm. we don't necessarily touch on that if we're doing 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 and we're not giving ourselves the time to actually just be and so so yeah, I would say that is, is more around the discovery of looking and checking into how are we interacting with other beings? How are we, you know, approaching life? How are we waking up every morning? Are we, are we, are we feeling like we want to take on the world and we're excited to get up every morning? Or are we getting out of bed, rolling out of bed and just plonking to the next thing and just doing things and keeping ourselves distracted? So 
yeah, so I feel like definitely self-awareness is a big key in this process and not so much so as becoming the best meditator, but more so about calming our minds, just yeah. calming our minds and then also becoming aware of the mechanism of mind and how it works. And then also just allowing ourselves to be in our hearts. Yeah. I love this. And it's part of my daily practice as well as cultivating awareness. And I think you give the perfect example of somebody that has experienced a great deal of trauma in his childhood and also later in your career, quite frankly, there's like daily trauma by the way that you are, you know, uh, hitting your body. And that's, that's also part of it. And I think there are two steps that you've outlined here very beautifully. One is there is going through the, let's call them the, the bigger processes, the experiences such as ayahuasca in this example, where you allowed a lot of this pain to even surface and to come up. And I feel that a lot of people are not going there because they don't know how to, they don't feel safe, they don't have the resources and the access. And I'm happy to see that plant medicine, for instance, is becoming more readily available. Also being aware of the people that are doing this from a place of respect, of honor and integrity as part of the native cultures and are not just bastardizing that. Um, but I think once you do that, once you allow the, 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 the bigger uh, pain and trauma to surface and to be expressed, then it moves into the day-to-day -day practice that you've outlined of cultivating awareness. And you've spoke, you spoke to, I think, one of the biggest challenges, especially for people like you and I, because we are business leaders. And if you look at the nature of a business, the nature of a business is about doing Right? You you have to take action in order for those actions to result in consistent results. And I see a lot of entrepreneurs, they get locked in into this constant doing space all the time, doing, 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 doing. There comes the hustle mentality of just do more, work harder, uh, play bigger, all of that stuff. And so from your perspective as a business leader, how do you find or how can we all find the balance between the doing and the being while still honoring this bigger vision that we want to create? Such a beautiful question, Moira. It's, um, I think that what you mentioned earlier is one of the keys, brother, is that we have this everlasting joy that is within us and that this joy and this peace that is within us is actually the fountain of youth. It's actually giving us that peace of mind. It's giving us that time to really, really just be with ourselves. Right. And, and, and with that, that gives us this, this so much creativity. It gives us so much ability to then go after the things we want to go after. Right. And so, It's exactly as you say, it's not saying, okay, no, now I'm just going to sit on my ass because I think a lot of people think that, you know, the being, what is being, you know, what is it? But if you don't have the recognition of it, then yeah. how can you ever know? And that's yeah. the thing. I think then, then we get caught in the cycle of just doing, as you say, we're running from this thing to that thing. And I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand witness that when we are capable of being, just being, just being with ourselves. Uh, we are actually allowing more energy for us to actually go after the things that we want in this life. And, and I think that that's a crucial part of this is about helping entrepreneurs um, develop this other side of what they are, right? Because a lot of times, like, they're not even having afforded the opportunity or, or giving themselves because they are so driven. But we both know where does that lead to? That leads to exhaustion. That leads to burnout. And I know that there are many, many, many businessmen, entrepreneurs that are going through that process in their lives. And so I would say that, you know, yeah. be with someone, you know, uh, have, have a guide, support in those processes for people to be able to, as, as highly driven people, to be able to also have that checkout 
where they can check out and they can be just in nature or they can be with themselves or they can, you know, follow a meditation technique or they can, you know, uh, even, you know, breath, breath techniques are also amazing for this kind of work. And so it's almost just allowing for the, the crazy monkey mind to just switch off for a little bit. And, yeah. and then, yeah, just, just, just allow for this presence to just exude and, and permeate everything. Right. But it's, 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 you know, as well as I do, it's not as easy as just turning a switch because yeah. we have to go through these processes and we have to kind of shed a lot of what we've been carrying for lifetimes to get to that point of that recognition. Right. So it is a process yeah. for sure. You just spoke into how to facilitate being and the challenge that I see is exactly what you point out is when you're so caught up in the doing you will not make space for being plus you often you don't even know how to do that so i think what you brought in about having somebody to guide you like a coach like a mentor like an advisor to provide that space for you is so extremely valuable because only then can you actually slow down and see what is holding me back in my life? What is stopping me from getting to the next level in my business, in my relationship, in my health, in my spirituality? There's usually always a way that we are preventing ourselves from doing that. And it's created through the obsessiveness of, of doing, of holding on to one path of thinking, well, I used to do it this way. It worked yesterday. So now it has to work that same way again. But then we deny the biggest part of ourselves, which is that 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 way of being. And, you know, speaking about coaching, what is it that you feel and have seen helps people create that life of abundance where they can access financial freedom and, and really live the life that they want to live the most? Yeah, so I think it, it comes down to the balance, right? And then also, you know, I like to work with other human beings in the way of allowing them to experientially sense what they are. So, for instance, you talked about the joy, the peace, the love, the compassion, the wisdom. Those are all what we, what we spoke about earlier, but the essences of what we are, right, of, of our true nature. So it's about helping other beings, guiding them to that point where they can have their own recognition, where they can recognize what their being is. And when that happens, they are actually can have these awakenings in that process. And it's just a matter of guiding in a specific way so that they recognize, wait, this is what I am. And that recognition is so powerful. It's, it's, it's the highest in the human kingdom, right? But I think because of our lifestyles and the way that things are set up at the moment, we're just going, 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 doing, doing, doing. So my kind of what I would share as advice would say that we gotta, we gotta like unwind, you know, we gotta, we gotta get that monkey mind and calm him down. And, and through those processes, we gotta help the, the human being recognize what they are. And then through that process, this will open up a whole world of infinite possibility and abundance. Because it's, it's, it's almost like, imagine, imagine like all of your conditioning, your past, where you've been, what you've done, who you think you are, all of the things within the egoic mind, all of it, okay? From, from, from even our projections into the future, the past, the present, our concepts, beliefs, ideas, all of it. So now if we can take you to that point of just being, right, minus all of this, it, you can leave all of this outside and you can join into this room of being. And in this room of being, it's just us. And it's minus family. It's minus the conditioning, who we think we are, all of those things. And that recognition in itself is so, so powerful. 
it's because the people can see exactly in that moment who they are. And that, that recognition is not something for your mind. Your mind cannot, how can the mind explain the universe and all the different dimensions and what we are, right? It never has, never will. So why not experientially sense and have that experience in real life to then open up your world to infinite possibility and abundance? There's a there's a difference between reading a book and experiencing a book, or you could say reading, uh, consuming knowledge and experiencing knowledge, and I think that's what you're describing. It's like you get to experience what it's like, first of all, to be who you are being, and to be a new possibility of who you might be uh, if you choose to. And I think it drops into the fabric uh, of who we are, into our DNA. And it's a different kind of understanding. It's not, I feel it's a no longer like a, a belief, but it's a deep knowing. It's like people often ask this question. If you could go back in time and do something different, you know, and tell your younger self, you know, don't do this, don't do that. You know, I would always tell them, okay, invest in Bitcoin. But then again, uh, if I hadn't experienced all of the pitfalls, all of the dark nights of the souls, all of the, the extreme highs and all of that, I wouldn't be who I am today. And I really like who I am today. So I'm glad that I went through all of these things and came out the other way. And that is that nature of experiencing. And I think there's a lot of people that can really benefit from that philosophy that you brought forward, where it's like, be with it, experience it, learn to um, learn to experience your own body and where the pain mm. comes up. And then when you sit with yourself, you know, and you have all these thoughts and then you recognize, huh, it's not because of my environment, because of the people, it's because of what I have stored from the past. So thank you for so beautifully putting that out there. And, you know, as we get to the end of our conversation Joe, I would love uh, for you to share. You told me in the beginning of our conversation that you have something to share with our listeners and viewers. Um, and I would love for you to speak into that now. Okay, sure, Mario. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think that I just wanted to share a jungle breath stress technique, right? Stress re hmm. release technique. So basically what it is, it's a very simple uh way if you're feeling like really anxious in any moment in your day you're feeling overburdened um just take out three minutes to sit in a in a in a comfortable position with your back neck and spine straight you can sit like this and and for the viewers out there that's basically what it is it's just to really drop into this calm state and being so what you do is you breathe in through your nose until the top of that breath. And then you're going to breathe three more inhales. So hold it for three seconds and out through the mouth. And at the bottom of that exhale, three more breaths out. Hold for three seconds. In through the nose. At the top of that breath, three more in-breaths. Hold for three seconds. Out through the mouth. Three more out-breaths. Three seconds. In through the nose. Three more in-breaths. Hold for three seconds. Up through the mouth.
Wow. I feel great. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you for guiding us. What a what what a fast way to just tune in, center yourself. And you know, for anyone listening, imagine what your day would look like if you scheduled in five to ten of these that just take you a minute or two. You would have so much focus, so much presence, so much quality in your thinking and in your acting, so much intention to how you're living your day and how you're approaching each and every moment. So I think this is amazing, Joe. So thank you for sharing this. And I also remember that you have a program that people can join if they're uh, interested in, in working with you and expanding on this path that they're on. Can you speak a little bit into that as well? Yes, sure, of course. Uh, thank you, Mara. I, yes, I've been actually scheduling one-on-one -on -one, uh, healing sessions with people. And I'm almost uh, kind of, you know, when I wrote the list of what the people can expect through those sessions, I almost wanted to scrap some of that list because it was to some degree, I felt that, you know, working with people uh, and building a relationship with them and kind of expanding on just a one-off session, right? Obviously, the first session can just be to feel if, if we're aligned with each other. But I felt that, you know, a longer-term program would be much more beneficial. And so I talk about things around integrity, around uh, self-awareness, about deepening uh, deepening your relationships, making stronger bonds with other human beings. And uh, then also within that is um, uh, self-inquiry meditation leading you towards what you are. And I think that this in itself can open up so many possibilities in your life. And so I wouldn't say that all of those are um, possible within one session. And that's why I offer a longer six-week program with people and um yeah i just love to offer myself in this way mario uh, i feel um i feel like part of my path is around selfless service and obviously through these processes we're able to create more abundance for ourselves and for others and for our families you know and you know one thing i've also realized is that there is enough for everyone it's just a matter mm -hmm. of recognizing how much abundance we do actually have in our lives and um it's just noticing right and so so brother yeah if anyone wants to get hold of me they're more than welcome to to reach out to me on uh jungle joe 333 on instagram and um, yeah it would be an absolute honor to serve and uh, also just to to help people recognize as well as to to develop in some way this possibility that we spoke about this possibility of being right yeah yeah thank you for that joe my friend my brother this was a very powerful conversation i highly recommend that wherever you are reach out to joe find him on instagram i'll be sure to add the links in uh, the show notes so you have it there uh, thank you joe for being a steward of this uh, healing conscious shift that we are witnessing in the world. Thank you for being the man that you are. Thank you for going through your transformation and sharing it with the world. And thank you for being a listener on this show, the Zenpreneur podcast. And uh, I'm excited to continue to bring you amazing guests such as Joe. And uh, with that, we are complete for today's episode. And I will see you on the next one. Thank you, everyone.